This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. As I was saying earlier, it's just been a hard week, but a lot of that pain has been alleviated in knowing that the message that I'm about to preach this morning has been a message that has been brewing in my heart for the last two weeks. I want to give a huge shout out to Alex uh, as he brought the word over the last two weeks. Wasn't it amazing? Can you give him a God bless you? Put your hands together, Alex. We appreciate you. We love you. And I thank God for the breaks that I get, but I'm excited to be back on this pulpit and to bring the word. And what's been brewing over my heart, in my heart over the last few weeks has been a, but a confirmation of what exactly has been unfolding and happening in our country and in our lives and what we're seeing all around us. Uh, our hearts are evil. Uh, the heart of the human race is evil and it's so important to call evil evil and ask for forgiveness from the Lord. But in all the perils and all of the stuff that goes on around us, it's so important for us as a church to understand and know that God has given us an immense responsibility to be agents of peace and agents of love and mercy and grace in this world that lacks all of those qualities. As the passing day, we see the lack of joy and the lack of peace and the lack of God's move because we as a culture, has, we have shut God out of where God has to be be it in our school systems, in our communities, in our workforce, in our government. God is slowly losing his place, and I pray today that we as a community and as a country will come back, but we will never be able to know the true Prince of Peace unless and, unless, unless and until we understand the meaning and the fullness of what peace truly is. So go with me to Mark chapter 4 as I try to share this word like God shared it to me, and God broke it down to me, and the Holy Spirit broke it down to me. Now Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41, a very familiar passage of scripture, but as we journey through this passage, like, I, like we always do, we're going to read every verse, and then we're going to come back to it, and I'm going to share four things with you guys, and we're going to pray and close. Are we good? All right, so Mark chapter 4, 35 to 41, on that day, now I want you to underline that word. If you have your physical Bibles with you, go ahead and underline that word, because that word's going to be important. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, it, it was a long day, a lot has happened, and we'll talk about it in a second. Evening had come, and he said to them, who said to them, Jesus said to them, his disciples, let us go across to the other side. I want you to underline that quote, let us go across to the other side. Verse 36, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. Verse 37, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern. Now, I want you to catch that. The windstorm arose, the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Verse 38, but he was in the stern, asleep 
on the cushion. Mark is pretty sour about this. He is very detailed when he says, Jesus was pretty comfortable. We were going through one of the most craziest of times, but Jesus was pretty comfortable. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Underline that word. Do you not care that we are perishing? Verse 39, and Jesus awoke. He rebuked the wind. Underline that phrase, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, his words came forth and said to the sea, peace be still. The winds ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? Like, bro, it's the end of the day. We talked about this. We've, we've been going through this. Like, we've been, we've been walking through this. Don't you have faith? Verse 41. And they were filled with great fear, and they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Pray with me. Father God, would you speak to us? Holy Spirit, would you dissect this? Help us to understand God. Open our hearts, open our minds. Holy Spirit, help me to teach the people in a way that they understand God. I pray that you will give me the ability to be able to break this down in only a way that you can break it down. Give us fresh understanding and fresh revelation of your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. That word on that day is one of the most important phrases in this entire passage. I was telling the first service this, I've read this passage so many times, preached about it so many times, but the revelation that I get each time I read this passage is pretty astounding in that God speaks to us in very specific and beautiful ways every single time we read passages of scripture that we thought we knew. On that specific day, that day began with Jesus teaching them about the kingdom of God. The one theme that Jesus had throughout his ministry on earth was to teach people about the kingdom of God. And on that day, he was teaching them about the kingdom of God. He was, in particular, teaching them about seeds. He was teaching about the power of seeds. And he was comparing the seed to the word of God. He starts off talking about the sower that goes and sows seed. He then talks about a lamp that's under a basket, and then he goes on to talking about a seed that grows, and he talks about a mustard seed that turns to a mustard tree. He talks about how this sower goes and takes a bunch of seed and just throws it, hoping that there would be a harvest. He says there are a few seeds that fall on the path, and the birds come and snatch them away. He says there are another group of seeds that go and fall on rocky ground, and it's rocks, and there's, you know, there's, there's no roots that are able to go down, and it's void. There's, nothing happens to it. And then there's some that fall among the thorns, the weeds, and the weeds choke them out. And then he says there was a fourth category, and some of those seeds ended on good soil, and the Bible says they produced and they multiplied. Unless and until... The word of God falls on a soil that is rich, that is good, that is receptive. Receptive, You will not produce, and if you do not produce, you will not multiply. A very simple lesson. See, God is teaching them about seeds and the importance of seeds. As I lay this foundation, this is important for us to understand the rest of this message. Okay, He's teaching, about, teaching them about the importance of seeds. I want to remind somebody today. Never discount the seed season in your life. How you seed and how you take care of that seed and how you water that seed and how you plant that seed will determine what comes out of that seed. 
okay? What the fruit that comes out, the tree that comes out, never ignore. So a lot of people ignore the seed season. We, we plant or we, we, we throw seeds like we don't care. We don't care where that seed goes and plants itself. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach, is if you want to see fruit, if you want to see something come out of your life, if you want to see yourself progressing spiritually, remember to make sure that that seed goes in the right place. She's, he says the farmer sows a seed. He sows the word. He says the word is distributed. The word is given. God speaks to us. It could be in a message on a Sunday morning. It could be during the week. But what you do with that word matters. Where that word goes and falls matters. God, you know, the seed might be very little, but it's the little that yields big fruit. Right now, as I'm speaking, I'm sowing seed. As I'm sowing seed, I'm just sowing it out there, thinking that it's fertile ground. And I, and I hope there are some people that fall in category four where you're like, give it to me. You, you take it in, you soak it, and man, there's some fruit that's gonna come out of it. I know people like that. And then there's gonna be a group of people that just sit there and you're thinking about lunch. You're thinking about fajitas, or should we do um, pizza? Your mind is everywhere. Thank God the Cowboys are not playing right now. Thank God the the Mavericks are not playing right now. We're we're doing fantasy football, fantasy basketball. Our minds, our boys are checked out during sports season. So this is where I have men's attention. Not really, because they're still thinking about food. But you get what I'm saying, right? As I'm throwing this out there, this seed can either go into some rocky ground where some of y'all will probably listen to nothing that was said today because your mind was preoccupied with something else. And that's rocky ground because it's hitting and falling right back. It's not going to take root. For some of you else, y'all take a little bit from here, a little bit of that, and I'll ask you, Pastor, what did you preach? You'll tell me one thing out of the entire sermon. I'm like, what happened to the rest? Oh, it's okay, Pastor. I just got that one thing that I wanted. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. It starts with a little, Paul says, man, it's, it's, to, to, to many it might be, the, the word of God, the revelation of the word, it might be foolishness to, to many, but the word of God is powerful. That seed is the word of God. It's how God speaks. God's a talker. God speaks to us. See, if you don't understand that God is a talker, you will never understand what he does. If you, if you don't understand that the word of God is a seed, you'll never understand what it brings forth. So many of us will miss this because we're, we're ignoring his voice. We ignore his voice and we're looking for a sign instead. We're looking for trees stepping on seeds. I need you to catch on to this. A lot of us are looking for fruit. We're looking for blessing. We're looking for fruit. We're looking like, where, where, where are the trees? Where, where's the fruit? And you're like, did you sow? Like, did you, did you miss the seed phase? Like, did you plant when you were supposed to plant? Because a lot of us are expecting great things. We're expecting fruitfulness. We're expecting harvest. And God's like, uh, you didn't do the, the groundwork. But guess what Satan does? When the word comes, Satan comes. That's what Jesus is trying to communicate. Is that when the word is delivered, Satan is right there when the word is delivered. As soon as the word, as soon as the seed was sown, bird came and swooped. As soon as the seed was sown, there was rocks to receive it. As soon as the... Weeds. With, are you, am I talking to somebody? If the word is there, the enemy is going to try everything in his power to steal the word of God from your heart. To do everything in his capacity from not allowing this word to do a work in your heart. Today, I rebuke and bind every power of darkness that is coming against the, the church today from receiving what he has in store for us. Can I hear an amen? On that day, 
The word is a seed. The, the worries of life will come down. Man, when, 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 when you try to choke that seed, man, if, if your roots are not going deep into the ground, it will die. The plant will die. And it's so important. It's important not just to hear the word, but to seek the word. Seek deeper. And that's what Jesus is getting at. He's saying, don't just take it for face value. Allow this word to seep down. Let it take root. A lot of us are not seeing fruit in our life because we're not allowing the seed to do anything in our life. See, this is not my message, trust me. This is just a foundation. Because unless we understand this, we want to understand what I'm about to talk about in a little bit. I'm going to, go, I'm going to give you four things that we have to do when we're in a storm. But here's the thing. For them, for the disciples, unless and until this seed did something in their heart, on that, on that day, that phrase is so important. Like, like I said, I've read this passage in a completely different way. On that day, why is that important, right? In Mark chapter number four, verses 10 and, and, and 12, Jesus is actually teaching them. I gave you the backdrop of this. There are four things that happened before. And while this thing was happening, like these parables, Jesus was teaching them and giving them these stories. And you know what happens? In verse number 10, the Bible says this, and when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. So check this out. Jesus finished teaching. All right, think about it. He finished teaching the people. He walks away, okay? Finished teaching. He walks away. And there are people that are pressing in. The people are like, oh, that's not enough. I want more. Okay? Now think about these people. They're coming, knocking on Jesus' door, around him with the 12, asked him about the parables. Jesus, I just don't want to hear it. I want to probe further. I want to knock. Okay? Now listen. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is just a story. Oh, this is good. This, if you don't get this, you're not going to get anything else. There were seekers. That's, the kingdom of God is about that. Knock and it shall be. Seek and you shall. Ask and you will be. It's, it's simple. It's so simple. It's, the, it's, it's reaching. It's, hey, what do I do next? What can I do next? What am I about? Like, like can I go to the next step? Pastor, you preach this message. Am I taking notes that I can actually go back to during this week when I'm going through stuff, when I'm going through something, and can I go back to it, and can I probe further? I get excited, man, after a Sunday morning message. When I'm walking outside, if somebody stops me and says, Pastor, I just like what you preach, but hey, I have a question about this. Oh, that excites me. You know, one part is it excites me because I can preach for five more minutes to him. <laughs> you give me five minutes, I'll take it. I, I'm a charismatic preacher. I love doing that. But it gives me more excitement because somebody is probing, and that's what Jesus is saying. The revelation is to them that lean in. John, I'll give you the revelation because you're the closest to my heart. It's so important to lean into the Lord. Hey, probe extra, poke extra, go in to the presence of God. You, you didn't get enough out of worship? Man, some of y'all need to come to first service. Stay for worship. Sit, take a break. Come back for the second service. Be in the presence of God in worship. Justin's here for his second service. He's like, man, I, can, I, can I stay, Pastor? I said, stay. No problem. And not, I'm, I'm not telling y'all to come for both services. Don't give me that. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, man, go out of here and ask God to speak to you through this word. Like, do more Bible study. Go. Just don't listen to this word and say, I'm done. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And, and go through the week, going through pain. Jesus says, man, these people that come back, the revelation of the kingdom is so much more powerful and impactful. Are you constantly surrounded by the word is my question. Revelation is reserved for the seeker, the knocker, the asker. That's how the day started. On that day, you know how the day ended? With Jesus, another gospel, the same account. Jesus drives out a demon out of a man. 
That's how the day ended. But in between that is sandwiched this particular situation. On that day, after Jesus fills them in, filled them in with all of this lesson and this parable and the revelation, so on and so forth, on this day, someone say on this day, on that day, there was a storm. <laughs> this is what's going to get good. The Christian, you better understand, on those days where you think it's going to be amazing, when it's, just, when it's powerful, when God has just spoken, when, when, when the revelation has just come and you're like, I'm on the brink of something amazing, bam. You've been there before? Because I have. Y'all, y'all are people that pray, not like me. Huh. Y'all don't go through stuff. On that day, there were winds, there were waves, there was rain, there was trouble, there was fear, there was disciples questioning everything that they believed about this, believed about this guy called Jesus. They were like, I don't know if this stuff is true, man, because he's sleeping. We're about to die here. Hmm. And some of us will be in that storm and we'll think that that's God. I guess this is from God. Because he's sleeping. I think it's from God. No, here's the thing. See, if it was from God, he would not have rebuked it. I, I need someone to understand this. See, because everybody will sit back and say, no, 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 God's plan, God's plan, God. No, 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 because you know why? Because we don't want to fight the spiritual battle we're supposed to fight. To avoid a spiritual confrontation with this guy called the devil, a lot of us are okay with calling it God's plan. No, 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 Jesus would not have rebuked it if it was his. Sorry. He, he would have welcomed it. He'd have been like, what's up, guys? It's okay, let it rain. Let it rain. No. Jesus says, man, trials are gonna come. It's gonna steal the word. Some of y'all are probably like, I know I'm in a trial right now, but God is doing this to me right now to strengthen my faith. No, no, God's not doing it to you. He may allow it to happen. Jesus may sleep on that boat and second the motion. He didn't bring it into, he, he, didn't, he, he, didn't, he didn't cause it, he doesn't cause trials, he doesn't create storms. How do you know, pastor? Because that's not what a good father does. Come on, how many fathers over here? How many of you fathers will send your kids out in 110 degree weather and says, go out and play, no sunscreen, no water, I'm gonna toughen you up today. Any dads out here? I gotta pray for you if you said yes. Dad, I want water. No, 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 you stay out there, son. I'm gonna toughen you up today. No, no, that's not a good father. You're gonna go to jail. That's what you're gonna go. You're not toughening up anybody. That's what a good father does. A good father protects. See, if you don't understand this, you're not gonna get anything else, and that's what Jesus is trying to say. Like, so many of us are trying to look at our trials and think that it's sent by God. We embrace it. You identify with it. Thank you, Jesus. We're just gonna stay in this. Peace be with you, peace be with me, devil. Let's our paths not cross. But in reality, the enemy's trying to choke out the promise of God from your life. You're sitting there and allowing the enemy to just come, swoop and take these seeds away from your life and you're like, give it to me. Plan of God. You know why I, 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 I don't think that, that God causes it? Because Satan wants to steal the word with his trials. The Bible tells us that. Because Jesus rebukes the storm. He won't rebuke what is his. Two, three, John 15, he says that he prunes you by his word. You remember that, right? I am the vine and you are the 
branches. That's what the Bible says. I'm going to send. He doesn't, he doesn't say I'm going to send death and calamity and I'm going to send all this your way to strengthen you. COVID? I'm going to give you COVID to strengthen. No, no, no. Will he allow it? Yes. I want to get that theology right. Will he allow it? Yes. But the Bible says my word prunes you. Not, not trials, not calamities. He will allow that to happen. But my word is what prunes you, period T. Nothing more, nothing less. So when you're in the storm, you don't say, okay, I guess this is, you know, this is my, this is my fate, you know, this, this, is what, this is what I want to do. This, I, I think this is going to be me. No, 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 no. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Like, I don't know what's causing that. No, 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 you speak to it. When you're in a storm, you learn, like a Christian needs to learn to say, this is spiritual warfare, and I'm going to rebuke it in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Like, like, we need to get to that point where Christians and believers need to say, no, 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 I'm not going to allow it to happen to me. I got to get to the point where I'm going to rebuke things. I need someone to speak to situations, speak to your, your problems, speak to your trials, and say, get thee behind me in Jesus' name. Like, I need faith. I need people of faith to be built in this church. Can I give you four things real quick? And then we'll pray and close. Four things. Four things to do in the storm, all right? Four things to do in the storm. Verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I can like think about the frantic in their book. Do you not care? Point number one, know that Jesus cares. In your storm, the first and foremost thing that you need to know <laughs> is that Jesus does care. It doesn't matter what your, your therapist tells you. It doesn't matter who, what, doesn't matter what circumstances you're going through. It doesn't matter if it's life or death. Jesus cares about you. Ask the right questions. All right, the disciples should have actually gone up and, you know, and be like, Jesus, you... It shouldn't be like, Jesus, we're good. It should be like, Jesus. Peter would have been like, Jesus, hey man, you okay? I know you're sleeping and all. I know, I know you just did like a lot of ministry and you're taking your nap, your siesta, but, but we're like low key freaking out here. Like, whenever you get a moment, like, like can you just like take a, like a time out and just come help us and you can go back to your nap? Sorry for disturbing you, Jesus. No, 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 they're freaking out. They're like in straight up panic mode. They're like, Jesus! I need to say something to somebody today. Just because Jesus isn't panicking like you, it doesn't mean he doesn't care. Just because Jesus isn't panicking like you, it doesn't mean that he doesn't care. Somebody needs to hear that today. God is not a panic king. Oh, come on. That was a good one. He is the king who provides peace. He is the king who provides healing and hope and restoration and identity, light in the midst of darkness, justice against evil. He restores glory. He is in the miracle working business. That is my Jesus. He's not an anxious God. He's not a God that worries. He's not a God that just, just comes up and you know, blows your trump and, and, and feeds your fear and joins your pity party. No, 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 no. If you expected a, jo a God Jesus to, to join in your, no, 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 that's not my Jesus. How does Jesus respond to anxious people? He doesn't dismiss anxiety. He doesn't say anxiety is from the devil. No, 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 no. I know anxiety is real. I go through anxiety in my life. 
But I want to remind you today that Jesus has got your anxiety. In Matthew 6 and 25, Jesus addresses those who are worrying. He says, man, worrying is a real thing. He says, anxiety is a real thing. He says, those who worry about clothing and lifespan and food. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow or reap nor gather barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they are? Ah, Peter tells us, cast, cast your burdens, cast your anxieties upon him, for he, I think it's pretty plain. If you ask me, it's pretty plain. If there's one simple truth to cling on to in the, in the moment of anxiety, it's these two words, Jesus cares. Do not allow your fears, do not allow your anxieties to tell you otherwise, because he's the king who provides for you, like I said. Like I said earlier, just because Jesus isn't panicking, like you're panicking, it doesn't mean that he doesn't care. Because aren't we like that with people? Like family members, like your husband, your wife? Like when you're in panic mode and your husband's not panicking with you, you're like, what's wrong with you? Like, are you even normal? Like, like don't you care about our family? Don't you care about what we're going through in our life? And, and <laughs> it's probably the wife as well. The husband's like, don't you, like, don't you, like, 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 like everything's falling apart. Like, friends? Hello? The person that you're venting to? Like, don't you know? Like, like why aren't you freaking out about this? Like, this is crazy. Like, pastor, why aren't you reacting? Like, why aren't you putting up a post on Twitter and Instagram and telling people what you think about this moment? Why don't you seem to care? Why don't you seem so unbothered? No, maybe they do care and they need to be level-headed. And maybe God put them in that place to give them a pillow so they can sleep through your storm. I don't know how many of y'all have been there before, but my wife and I are, are kind of on the same page like this. Like, when I'm like losing it, she's calm. And when she's losing it, I'm like, I don't know why, but that's Jesus, I'm telling you. We never come to a place where we're both losing it together. That's disaster waiting to happen. Come on, think about those moments that you're losing it. Come on, husbands, when you're losing it, your wife's like, wait, what you worrying about? And in your mind, you're like, you would be freaking out if you were me, like yesterday. And they were probably freaking out, but God gives you a sense of peace. Like for the Christian family, a Christian husband, a Christian wife that, that puts Jesus in the center, man, there's something amazing that happens because you serve a prince of peace who gives you comfort and strength. Hmm. Like when we discipline kids, like one person's going, and, the, and, and one of the parents is like, it's okay. It's, and the next day, they're like freaking out, and they're like disciplining, and, and the person that disciplined yesterday was like, it's okay. I'm like, what happened? It's called the Prince of Peace for the Christian home. Like God gives peace, God gives strength for a balance to happen. Am I talking? Probably just me, I don't know about y'all. See, just because people in your life don't care doesn't mean they're not responding the way that you want them to respond, or they're not panicking and freaking out like the way you want them to panic and freak out, it doesn't mean that they don't care. I want to remind you that. There are 12 men on the boat and all of them are freaking out. There's no balance here. All 12 of them, the ones that were just given the seed, the ones that were just given the word and enriched and filled, the ones that were supposed to be walking with Jesus all the time, Holy Ghost filled. Oh, the power of God is upon me, brother. I am praying. I am walking while I'm praying. I'm praying while I'm walking. Everything's up. But when it come, push comes to shove, oh, you'll see them running around like ferrets. 
chicken with its head cut off. No faith. This place is awfully quiet, y'all. Don't they say a room full of panicked people causes more panic? <laughs> Have you been in an airplane? Like when the, when the pilot comes on and says, hey guys, we're having some turbulence. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you can sense the tension in the airplane. Like people don't need to see it. Like it's like shuffling. <laughs> and some of us like to surround ourselves with people like that. That's the thing. Oh, they get me. They, they get me. I, I just need to be around these people because when I freak out, they freak out. They're like, my soul sister, soul brother, like, like my best friends, like, run away from people like that. If, <laughs> Stacy, I'm not even kidding, bro. Like, if you have somebody that, that, that gets on the phone with you and freaks out with you when you're freaking out, unfriend them immediately on Facebook. Like, do not continue that friendship. You need people that can speak over your life. You need people that can uplift you. You need people that can tell you in your storm that God has got your back. No matter what you're going through in your life, that you're going to come out of it strong. Not cry with you. Not wallow in self-guilt with you. Not say, oh, boo-boo, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. Oh, she did that to you. He did that to you. Oh, poor you. No, 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 no. Speak life over them in Jesus' name. No one's saying amen today. Come on. All right. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just because they get you, it doesn't mean they're good for you. Write that down. And Jesus comes up to them and says, why are you scared? What's going on? What's go like, like, why are you scared? No one on that boat cared more than Jesus, and that's what I'm trying to say this morning. No one. Point number two. Point number two. What was point number one? Jesus cares. Point number two. In a storm, guard your heart. Guard your heart. We'll be done in 15 minutes. Just, just kind of go with me. Guard your heart. It's, man, I, I've told you earlier, it's been a hard week. It's been a hard year. It's been a hard few years. No one's denying the storm. No one's saying there's no storm. No one's looking at you and saying, oh, there's no storm. Just don't think about it, brother. No, no, no. That's not what people are saying. I know COVID happened. I know that you lost your job. I know that your family's in a mess. I know your marriage is in a mess. I know it's not been smooth sailing. But it's so important in a storm to guard your heart. See, the storm out there wants to get in here. See, that's the fear that you should have. Not that the water will get in the boat or your circumstances will be changed. But the power that your storm has to change your heart more than it has to change your circumstances more what you should be worried about than your circumstance. That loss of job can do little to your, your situation than the loss of your heart and the loss of your soul and the loss of your faith. It's so important in that moment, keep the storm out of your heart. 13 men were on that board, boat, 12 were freaking out, one was at peace, one was asleep, one is at 12 or not, they're all in the same storm, they're all in the same boat. Jesus was in that storm. Twelve were possessed by the storm. One possessed the storm. What category are you going to fall in? And the problem today is the majority will be the majority that's freaking out. Here's what I want to leave with you today. 
You will always find yourself in the minority when you trust the Lord. And you'll feel that you're weird. You're like, people will make you feel weird. Oh, yeah, you're just weird. Just come on, come, come along with us and just believe what we're believing. Because reality, yeah, I understand reality, but sometimes it takes some brave people to stand in the gap and say, I might be the odd one out and you might look at me weird, but guess what? I'm going to stand against all odds and I'm going to believe against all odds because I believe that Jesus is on the boat with me. Because hmm. I, I bet you, in 2030, 10 years from now, some people are still going to be talking about COVID. You're going to be blaming 2030 on COVID. I get, because I, I know people that are blaming the, the, the recession of, when was it? 2000 what? Three? <laughs> I don't know when it was. They're blaming whatever's going on in their life right now for the recession of two. I'm like, bro, it's been a while. No, a long time. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's been a while. Don't allow COVID to influence everything going forward. Guard your heart. 12 people is accusing one person of not caring. Jesus wasn't sleeping because he did not care. He was asleep because he was in peace. Because he was peace. Ah, some of us are upset that Jesus isn't on your panic level. You're freaking out. You're like, Jesus, don't, don't, don't. He, he knows. He knows exactly what you're going through. Trust me, he saw it coming, even before you did. God, your heart, if you don't believe that Jesus cares and loves for you, man, you, you're, you, you're run by more fear than you have faith in your heart. Jesus could speak peace because he had peace. Jesus could speak peace because he was peace. See, peace is not an emotion. Peace is not a fleeting feeling. Peace is a person, and when you know that person, when he's on your boat, it's understood that you and I in the storm should always know that if Jesus is there, and we've heard it so much, but it's not a cliche, if Jesus is there, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Worship team, you guys can get ready to come up and give me some keys. But Jesus responds, right? What does Jesus do? The third thing to do in a storm, you ready for this? Write it down. Talk to the wind. Talk to the wind. Don't be afraid of the wind. Like stop blocking yourself off from the things that you need to address and talk to. What am I talking about? 39, he awoke, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still, and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He rebukes nature. Guess what, it's not the first time. You remember when Jesus did that once? He walks up to the tree and he's like, where's the fruit, dude? It's like, you're supposed to bear fruit. You're not bearing fruit. I curse you. And Mark actually talks about it. He comes back the next day. He looks at the trees and says, oh, you dead. You dead. You done. <laughs> you remember that time that Jesus looked at the people, he was preaching to the people and no one would say Amen. <clears throat> not saying anything he's, he's <laughs> he was preaching to the people he was like it's two services all right voice given out he was preaching to two services got done and he was like y'all if you don't say amen these rocks will start singing the first rock concert was about to happen <laughs> Alex go ahead and close man that was such a bad joke such a bad joke This wasn't his first time, Chris. It wasn't Christo. Sorry, he gets mad when I call him Chris. Christo, it wasn't his first time. 
he looked at the wind. Why? Why the wind? Because here's the thing. You know there's a wind because of its effects. I need you to track with me for the next few minutes. This is going to be important. These last two points are going to be so important. Even if we're going to take a few more minutes here. That's why you sign up for second service because we go longer. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. When the wind blows, you see the winds, no, sorry, the leaves moving. Your hat goes flying. Right? The effects of the wind are seen in its outcome. See, what the disciples were seeing were the water coming. The Bible says the water was coming into the boat. That freaked them out. They were like, oh, this should not be happening. This is, this is disaster, Lord, we can't do it. They were like scooping it out, scooping it out, and more water, and more. Their circumstances were being affected, but all they could see was the circumstances. Jesus, don't you care about this? My family, my finances, my stuff. Don't you care about this? But what Jesus was more interested in was the cause. You got to hear this because this is deep. In the winter, when we have the cold front come in, I'm okay with the cold, I like the cold. I wear a jacket, I like the cold. But you know what I don't like is when the wind and the cold join hands. Oh, I hate that. I'm like, I'm like how many of you have ever said that? The, wind, the, the cold is okay, but it's the, the wind, the chill, right? That's what gets you. It, it goes into your bones and you're like, I cast this demon out in Jesus' name. So Jesus addresses the cause of the storm, the wind. He says, you see the rain, you see, that, that's cool. We, we, we all have rain, right? You, you, see the, you see the storm, you see the waves, and these waves are not gonna go crazy if the winds are not there. So you remember that the tree, the Bible actually says that he went and cursed the root. Listen to this carefully, this is important. He, he curses the root because the root is always the cause. Have you heard of root rot? The root is the cause for the tree not bearing fruit. So Jesus looks at them and says, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna address the issue that you don't see. What you're seeing is the effects of the wind that's causing water to get into your boat. You're concerned about your boat. You're concerned about your marriage. You're concerned about your job. You're concerned about that relationship. But all you see is your issue. You don't see the root. See, so many of us go about correcting issues in our situations and our circumstances and our marriages and in our jobs and our relationships. And we see that surface value. And sometimes it's, sorry, man, I, I'm sorry. And we, we, no, no, no. But there's something deeper than that. There's something so much more deeper that you and I cannot see. And Jesus says, I see it. That's where, hello, I'm Jesus. So a lot of us are trying to fix our spouse. We're trying to fix our kids. We're trying to fix money and job when some of us need to start talking to the root. Some of us need to start talking to the wind the root. It's not the rain. It's not the boat. It's not the waves. It's nothing. We're trying to fix what we can see. And all that all the disciples wanted was for the boat to be stabilized. Jesus, we're good. If you can stop this stuff and we're back to normal because guess what? They were fishermen. 
they kind of knew how to do this. This wasn't their first rodeo, but they tried everything that they could try and they were at the end of the road. That's when they said, Jesus, we're freaking out. Hmm. And the Bible says he rebuked it. You know the same word rebuked is used when Jesus cast out demons? Because Jesus understood that it was spiritual. It wasn't just a nature thing. It was a spiritual thing. Because nothing is said about the other boats that came along with them. I don't know if those boats were okay. The Bible doesn't talk about them freaking out. It only talks about the boat that Jesus was in. This is good. And the Bible says on that day, talk to the root. I'm going to say something and I want you to take this seriously. Some of us need to, in prayer, in fasting, identify the roots in your life that you are struggling with spiritually and you need to speak to those roots and cast it out in the name of Jesus. Am I talking to somebody? Some of us are okay with generational curses, man. We don't see the generational curses. Man, uh, daddy had blood pressure, daddy had sugar, uh, daddy had uh, heart problems. I'm next in line. You're so proud of it. I cast that out in Jesus' name. I ain't about to bury you sooner than you should go. Am I talking to somebody? I am not about to do that. I speak life over you as your pastor in Jesus' name. Somebody needs to claim victory and healing over their lives in Jesus' name. On that day, see the attack has everything to do with what happened on that day. Jesus goes about giving the word and the word and the word and the word, empowering people, encouraging people, lifting people up and saying, guys, get deeper and deeper and ask and it shall be given. Knock and it shall be. He he empowers them. And on that day, the storm hits. Ah. Four. This is the last one. Stand up with me. All right. Take your notebooks with you because this is going to be the best part. Okay. The fourth point is this. Write this down. What to do in a storm. The fourth one is this. Remember his promises. If you didn't listen to anything else today, listen to this because the best wine is for the last. Don't come in and ask me where's the wine outside. There's no wine, okay? This this is the wine right here. In the last 25 years of ministry and preaching, I preached this message so many times so many times I have never ever seen this the way I saw it when I was when I was preparing two weeks ago you ready for this verse 35 on that day when evening had come Jesus said to them let us go to the other side that's it Many of y'all didn't get that. Let me break it down for you. Before the storm, before the wind, before the waves, before the trial, before the near-death experience, there was a promise from heaven. There was a promise from Jesus. He looked at them and said, let us. Let us go to the other side. Y'all, y'all not jumping up and down for this. I was jumping, I remember in prayer when, when I, I, 25 years I've read this, I've preached this. Never seen that. 
Jesus gave them the promise that they will see the other side. Ah, shucks, man. If Jesus said I will cross over, I will cross over. I don't care what the report of the doctors are. I don't care what the school district has to say about my child. I don't say I, I don't I don't care about the labels of ADD or ADHD. I don't care about the report cards or I don't care about the failures of my life. And I don't care who cursed me or who didn't or who blessed me or who promoted me. I don't care if my Jesus said, let's go to the other side. If he brought me to it, you've heard this before, but he said it. If I brought you to it, I will take you through it. It's not a cliche. It's not a Christian cliche. It is the word of God. See, and that's the thing. He slept through it because he knew what he said. And what Jesus was basically saying is, in his one phrase, what are you afraid of? Was essentially, did I stutter? Like, yo, did I stutter? Like, did you hear what I said to you earlier? Yo, of little, like, he's questioning everything when they're questioning him and saying, are you a good God? Are you here? Do you even care? Jesus is like, like, why do you even, like, like, what have I done in your life that you should even, you should even think for a second that I don't care for you? There's a word that God has for some marriages, for some hopeless situations, for some sicknesses, for some impossible situations. And God's like, did I not tell you? So when the word tells me that when it tells me that I will have goodness in the land of the living yo I'm about to get Pentecostal in here if that's what the word says it says that's the promise of God not once should I look at God and say God are you good are you still there he's still there tells me that me and my household will serve the Lord not once am I going to be worried about my daughter that has gone astray or my son that has gone astray or that's far from the Lord no 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 I refuse to believe in the report of the y'all better help me out this morning y'all he says I'm Jehovah Jireh I'm your provider not for a second will I worry that my God has got my back Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.